0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of BadgerBlitz.com's podcast. This, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am Jay Kokorowski, senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com, part of the Rivals Network, bringing you everything about Wisconsin athletics, football, basketball, recruiting, you name it. Uh, we do it. So, uh, really fun show. Of course, Wisconsin take, you know takes on number 25, Purdue down in West Lafayette on saturday it's a 2 p.m central time kickoff on the big 10 network uh if, for our opponent beat writer i a i'm gonna direct y'all this week to our youtube channel i talked to tom deanhart from goldenblack.com our rivals cousins that cover purdue athletics and a very fun chat we have a q a also up on our website and so tom just gives just an immense amount of great information about what's happened with Jeff Brown's program on the way to a four and two record overall two and one record within the big 10. But this podcast, I want to do something different today and I'm going to introduce him now. I've known him since he started doing this media thing, this reporter thing, this analyst thing. Uh, Owen Reese, good friend of mine. Uh, For those that know the inside jokes on Twitter, he is my handsome adult son, uh, Kurt Hoag is my tall adult son uh, and Owen is my handsome adult son, former graduate assistant from, uh, for, you know, UW Whitewater. He is a writer at Bucky swift quarter still. He does football basketball coaching at the high school level for Adam's friendship. And he's also, which I'm, you know, I'm proud of him all together uh, for what he's accomplished uh, so far, but he's also in a, you know, a scouting assistant for optimum scouting, which does scouting for the, East-West Shrine Bowl. And so uh, I've seen his rise. I'm excited to have him on because he's also a former Division III college football lineman. And we want to talk about Wisconsin's offensive line. Owen, I- I'm blabbering right now, but how are you, my friend? It's great talking to you again.
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, always fun to, to reconnect uh, for a couple years, about two and a half years. We spent almost every Saturday together Uh, next to each other in Camp Randall Um, but yeah so it's it's always fun to be on and and talk Wisconsin offensive line and uh, either thankfully or or not depending on your outlook uh, this year there's been no shortage to talk about.
0: Absolutely and it's you know we're gonna dive right into it too with this and Wisconsin offensive line it's this offense I guess in general going a step back people talking about identity people are talking about what is this Wisconsin offense this year? It looks like it's going to be the run game, even though it's been inconsistent with, uh, you know, two games on, two games off, now back two games on. Uh, and you're seeing a one-two punch with Chez Malusi and Braylon Allen now. Uh, different backs, but I think a formidable duo in that. Now that Jalen Berger is dismissed from the team, Isaac Arendo's out for the year due to the left leg injury this but you know those you see malusi you see Allen making these strides and in looking solid. but it's those in front of them that are that are helping them with that and that's why we're talking today about this offensive line i guess in your eyes how have you seen this line progress throughout this season where a little bit of combinations a little bit of interchangeability uh earlier in the season. I think you've seen a little bit more of a gelling of, of a starting five that have consistently stayed on the past two games against Illinois and Army. But what are you seeing from, I guess, overall, generally, uh, what you what have you seen from this offensive line early on in 2021?
1: Uh, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, but I, I think <laughs> the biggest thing is, as you have seen some improvement, uh, I think that Early in the year, and maybe this was uh, a bit of a theme, kind of from what it seemed for the entire offense, but it just seemed like there was just a little bit too much going on. Uh, I noticed it right away in the Penn State game and continued through the Eastern Michigan game. Uh, they were rotating nine or ten guys uh, along the offensive line, which uh, just as a, like, I preferred it as a player and also as a coach. If it were up to me, ideally, you have five guys, and those are the five guys that play, right? Those are your five best linemen, and because offensive line is such a uh, a bit of a unique animal as being dependent on chemistry and cohesiveness, the uh, you know uh, the the comfortability with uh, within each other is is a big deal, right? And when you're rotating, even if it's like kind of like hockey shifts, how the Badgers were doing it um, with a nine or ten guys not having that continuity hurts so you know being you know say you're the left guard right so say you're the second string left guard and you are um i think i believe it was michael fertney and you're rotating in with caden lyle uh, as the second string center you know every two series that's just it's it's hard because you're not doing it every drive um, and so you know you're playing half the half the snaps uh it's it's a difficult thing And then the other the other issue I have is and you know, no one's I don't it's a bit of a mystery whether or not they were doing that because they felt as though that all of those guys were good enough that they had earned playing time or that to me or my maybe my question was, is there not a bona fide five best linemen? Um, And they're kind of trying to seek that out. So there was a lot going on. Obviously, you're breaking in a new running back. Um, You know, this isn't a Graham Mertz podcast, but obviously, right, like he's he's had some. Uh, adversity the, this yep. this year and right in the second half of last year and there's a lot a lot of so all of that put together probably led to the offense that we saw right those first two or three weeks you know they even you know despite their you know they kind of walloped Eastern Michigan but it wasn't pretty you know it was more of a we have more sheer talent than you and eventually that that created itself to manifested itself to 34 points not because of um, you know, superior execution or, um, you know, anything like that. So I, I think that, you know, against Notre Dame and obviously Penn State, the first game of the year, there's a lot going on. It, it wasn't, it was not cohesive. Um, and I think over the last couple of weeks, you've kind of seen that, even if they had to, you know, pull the reins way back and like, look, we're going to make this real simple. We're going to run the ball a lot. Um, they've shortened the rotation. Uh, I, I watched, as best I could against uh, last week uh, for the Badgers against um, Army. Army. Thank you. Uh, and it, it appeared to me that there was very little rotating going on. Uh, Joe Tippmann, um or Caden Lyles a little bit at center. But other than that, there was no Tyler Beach to Logan Brown. There was no Josh Seltzner to Michael Fertney. There was no, um, you know, Tanner Bordellini was at right tackle for Logan Bruss. Uh, but Jack Nelson was not coming out of the game either, right? So there was a bit more, um, or if it was, it was very limited. And it wasn't like the every two series like it was at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think that they're like, look, we're going to get our group and whatever the best shot is to to put out in front of of Malusi and Allen and, and kind of let them just pound opponents into submission. Um, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, it's been a lot of meetings will continue until morale improves type of thing. Um, but if that's what it's going to take to win, you know, it's not ideal, but Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph, um, you know, they're there to win football games, not to, uh, you know, win a style points contest. So obviously it's not the offense that everyone, I think fans really expected. Right. And, and, and even I'm sure the team, right. Which I think kind of gets lost a lot when fans complain and critique about the players and the coaches. I was like, I promise you, no, one's more upset about their performance than they are. Um, you know, but it, I think that's the biggest thing and I'll get done rambling. Uh, you were done rambling, but, uh, I think just really kind of stripping everything down to the basics and, you know, they, they, have they've reduced Graham Mertz's role, right. I think against Notre Dame you end up throwing the ball, which is certainly not what the those Badgers want. Um, you know, they stripped that way back. They said, look, we're going to hand the ball to Chesma Lucy. We're going to hand the ball to Braylon Allen. We're going to throw it to Jake Ferguson and we're going to get out of these football games with a win. And then that's what they've been able to do and lean on the defense. And I think a lot of that really has come down to the offensive line, um, you know, kind of like the KISS method, you know, keep it simple, stupid, don't rotate too many guys, you know, just we're going to run the ball, keep it easy. Um, and, and we've kind of seen that against some, right, a little lesser competition. Um, Wins-wise, Illinois, and certainly talent-wise with Army, um, it, it's, it's worked. We're curious to yep. see how it goes against Purdue on Saturday.
0: Right. And I mean, you're talking about like, yeah, the rotations, I'm looking at pro football focus right now too. Um, everybody I'm taking a look like Jack Nelson, Joe Tippman, Josh Sheltzner, Tyler beach if out of the, you know, they say 60 total snaps. I think it was actually for 59, you know, those, they all played 59 snap, like all the snaps. Uh, Tanner Borgolini had 58, they said uh, on that. Um, but so they played the vast majority of the game. Uh, and we, that's something that we saw, I think against Illinois, you saw like Lyle's, uh, and Furtney and, and others get reps uh, at, at those positions, you know, at, at center and for Lyles and right guard for Fertney, uh when the game was in hand, like in the fourth quarter, when they had the reserves in uh, during that win. So it's been very much, you know, you've seen that, uh, I, I guess. Oh, and with that, just. When you describe that uh, just with the line and golden pass protection. Right. And it, it's one thing where you hear, you know, everyone's talking about like the running game and being that identity, but Paul Chris mentioned it that they fe- he feels that they have to be more consistent throwing the ball, which everybody agrees. You take a look at what Wisconsin's doing right now in terms of uh, passing game, bottom third of the league, of not just the league of the FBS. Uh, passer efficiency is the same, uh, I guess. Within that, just it, when it comes to the line, do you feel it's more? On Mertz, is it more on the line and the pass protection? Because, it, you know, they only gave up one sack last week, right? But there some pressures early on in that contest, uh, again, you know, against Army. But we've we seen Graham Mertz underneath the rest against Notre Dame, against Penn State, against Michigan. You know, I guess, is, is it a chicken or the egg situation type uh, in terms of who's to blame? Are they, I mean, I think they're all, they both are in terms of the con- inconsistencies. But what do you see through your eyes?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's, I don't know, it's not kind of like a cop-out. But I think a lot going on, right? Um, another thing, and, and not to bust on this, right, we mentioned the competition. Penn State uh, has Arnold Ibikite, um, and another name is escaping me, number 40, the other defensive end. Those are NFL draft prospects. Michigan has Aiden Hutchinson, who will probably be a top 20 pick. Notre Dame is a defensive line filled with NFL talent. Okay, then you go even to all- – Andre Carter, their outside linebacker, leads the country in sacks, Yeah, right? So that's certainly an excuse, and it's not a, um, you know, I'm not defending the Badgers offensive line, play, uh, especially in pass protection, but uh, there, the, at a certain point, there is a little bit of the other teams on scholarship too. Um, so that's the part of it. I would say part of it is, especially in pass protection, Moving Tyler Beach to left tackle was a tough thing early. Uh, Tyler Beach, um, you know, obviously he played right tackle last year. He started at right tackle with Logan Bruss at right guard uh, and was rotating with Logan Brown earlier in the year. Missed a lot of fall camp with an injury, if I remember correctly. Um, so didn't have a ton of practices. And then immediately gets thrown in against uh, the, uh, Ibekite, the Temple transfer, who's an NFL prospect poorly. Uh, and I think that Tyler Beach was pretty upfront about that. Moving from not to get too into the weeds here with offensive line stuff, but moving from the right side of the line to the left side of the line, obviously there was quite a bit of time he knew, right? Like th- that wasn't like the day before the game, they told him he was going to play at left tackle, but it, it is a big change. And especially for how long he was on the right side, um, you know, kind of being uh, Logan Bruss's backup when Cole Van Lannon was at left tackle, that is a bit of an adjustment and, and to keep it simple for uh, the people listening. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, get a, a different uh, concept of it. They're like "Well, I switch people Madden all the time. It doesn't matter. Right. Like it's kind of trying to minimize or trivialize the change. Um, the next time they go to the bathroom, try to wipe with the other hand. Right. It's not as simple. You can still get the job done, but it's probably going to take a little longer and it's not going to be nearly as normal. Right. And that's a similar, <laughs> similar concept to, um, to, to switching sides the left tackle and like I said so the for like a guy like beach right it was his first time starting at left tackle in college uh, minimal preparation time in in fall camp due to an injury and um you know that w- that paired with the um the improved competition is a big deal um outside of beach i think that uh, Wisconsin has, and I apologize for the phone going off in my house. Um, <laughs> no worries. The, there is a, to an extent, um, there's a, a bit of probably frustration uh, as far as, like, obviously gone great, I think, right? like And there's a reason they cut down on that. Uh, another thing, I think, and that what I've kind of seen is, and this isn't a new problem for Wisconsin, but they've really struggled with speed inside. I think that has something to do with the types of guys that they get, Um, you know, obviously Wisconsin, they want their their run blockers first, right? Badger offensive linemen don't get on the field due to their pass pro prowess, right? They get on the field because they're the road graders in the run game and and they're physical and big and strong, Um, you know, but that's been an issue with Wisconsin as well. Uh, And then finally, I think the other one too, right? Like if you can go to the other tackle spot, Logan Russ has been pretty, you've got uh, Tanner played center last year, now at right tackle, and already right, gave up that sack right away to Carter and a couple other pressures. There's a lot of moving pieces, and I think that Logan Bruss is probably the one sure thing on the bad line right now. So especially these last couple of weeks, with him out, has been uh, a challenge. Um, a lot of it's communication, and I think that's part of the frustrating part. It has to be for Joe Rudolph as well, is... Tyler Beach is a fifth-year senior. Josh Seltzer is a fifth-year senior. Logan Bruss is a fifth-year senior. Caden Lyles is a fifth-year senior, and all of that has culminated with all these errors, right? And that's that's the frustrating part is these guys are are veterans, seasoned players, um, and and there's been some communication lapses or just simple execution lapses um, on, on stuff that uh, shouldn't necessarily be as much of an issue as it has, um, and, and I think that's probably got to be the biggest bugaboo for for the Badgers is in, especially for Joe Rudolph, who's taken a lot of heat, right? Like the offensive line hasn't played well. Um, you know, I think to the, uh, maybe to the national media who doesn't follow the Badgers so closely on a week to week basis. Um, I think for a long time, they've gotten used to giving Badger lines the pass because they have a motion W on their helmet. Um, so they assume that the players don't change or the, the, the quality doesn't change, but the, the fact of the matter is, um, it has, right. So, uh, this year, they have not, and probably I would say even the last couple of years, probably since um, since that final uh, year of Michael Dieter and Bo Benshaw and David Edwards, um, that that line that was together for so long, um, since then, I mean, it's it's been above average for college football, but it certainly hasn't been to the the, the standard that's been set at Wisconsin. And I, I think that it's, as I mentioned, as frustrated as fans think that they can get, or you know they, they tweet at the players or tweet at the coaches or get mad on social media or, or whatever, um, you know I promise nothing is they're not they're not more frustrated than Joe Rudolph or Tyler B or Logan Hayden Lyles or any of these guys right these older players that uh, maybe fail maybe falling short of that standard but aren't intending to right and, you know that's that's a common thing for a Paul Christ post game press conference these guys don't screw up on purpose.
0: Right. And that's, so, yeah, we've heard that too. Yeah. That, that's what the one thing that Paul yeah, said about not just the offensive line. I don't think he meant even the offensive line, but even just anything in general, like Jack Van Dyke's uh, errant kickoff, uh, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, where against Michigan, where he's not trying to kick it out of bounds after, you know, um, you know, after a field goal, uh, which then Michigan marched down the field and, and made it a two possession a game uh, possession game again. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's kind of, at the end of the day, um, you know I don't have a, a scale or a, a but I think it comes down to a lot of little things. The Badgers have played from pretty good defensive fronts. Does that mean that they should give up a bunch of sacks? No, right. But it does explain a little bit of it. You've got a new left tackle, a guy who's really in his first. He's in his first full year at left tackle, um, and you, and you've got a lot of moving parts. And then again at right tackle, right the one real. Um, you know, concrete solid spot that you've had is now occupied by a red shirt freshman that plays here as a freshman. Right. So there's, there's a lot, a lot going on. I think the, especially over the last couple years, right. The Badgers have really recruited, or at least they've thought they've recruited the offensive line position very well. Um, and I think the recruiting services would say that, but the fact of the matter is Jack Nelson's the only guy who's getting on the field right now Um, out of that, uh, well, and I guess Joe Tipman as well. Um, but out of that, you know, these last three years with the, you know, three or four and five star guys, multiple of those guys in every class, um, you know, so it's, and, and truthfully, and it's kind of a bummer, but it is a lot of the older guys that are having some of these issues. And, um, you know, at this point it kind of is what it is, but, you know, cause again, college coaches aren't in the business of playing guys that aren't going to win, right? Like that's, that's their livelihood. Um, so if they think those are the guys that are giving them the best chance to win, that's what's happening. Um, you know, despite fan frustrations. But there's a lot going on and it, it's it's been it's tough to watch. I've had um, you know someone I, I used to coach with um, in college uh, kind of reached out to me, who's a former member of the Badger program and had mentioned he's like, what's their identity? You know what's you know Iowa's a zone team. Oklahoma's that got their GT counter stuff, right? Like you've got these teams that are they're so entrenched in their identity. And Wisconsin, with a lot of the counter, right, and the pulling and pulling guys and, and pulling tight ends and fullbacks, and that is something that's kind of missing right now, and I think that it, there's a lead to that, but I, I, Badger fans aren't the only ones, I think, that are frustrated here and, and are kind of at a loss, uh, and it's, that's kind of where I'll end this, I think, but that's the – there's a lot of, of, of factors in play and it's not so simple as to just fix one thing. Um, but they're certainly right to be frustrated. I think there are quite a few things that are awry um, just a matter of, of getting them worked out, whether that's personnel or coaching or play calling or the other team, right? Like there's a lot going on um, and, and there's reason to be frustrated, but it, it's not a, 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 an easy fix or a, a one variable. There's a lot of things going on.
0: Right. And I mean, and, and to note that, you know, in terms of they have made some improvements, I think over the last two games, you know, like again, it's against inferior competition compared to a Notre Dame or a Michigan or a Penn State, but, uh, you know, against Illinois, no sacks, no tackles for loss against army. They only allowed one sack, both games, you know, were cl- at least, uh, 198 yards rushing, it was 198 against Army, it was 391 against Illinois, Uh, you you know, and for that matter, I thought it was impressive against Army, where Army came in allowing only 54 yards per contest on the ground, that was nearly four times the amount, so I saw progress there. This is going to be an interesting week against Purdue, who only allows about 116 yards on the ground, but, you know, and, and for that matter, Wisconsin's only given up 12 sacks on the year Uh, obviously for those that follow pro football focus they've given up more pressures uh, than that but uh, that kind of leads me into this next question too talking about the Boilermakers which have a revamped defense and if people checked out the Q&A we had with Tom Deanhart he described just how this defense has changed there's technically three co-defensive coordinators uh, from both the defensive line coach to the linebackers coach to the secondary uh, and the linebackers coach Lambert calls calls the plays on Saturdays, but you you're, that defense you know has vastly improved. They're you know second behind Wisconsin uh, in the Big Ten and in, in total defense in terms of yards allowed. They're only allowing fourteen points per contest, and, and you know turnovers haven't. They've only generated six, and four of those came last week against Iowa in a huge upset win. But it's all being led by George Karloftis you know, who his numbers, Owen, don't look great. It's 22 tackles are not great. I mean, let me rephrase. They're not uh, necessarily, uh, you know, bombastic or just, or huge. 22 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. But for those that like profile football focus, he's got 30 pressures in six games, which is five per game. That's insane. Against Iowa, he looked like a monster, they credited him with twelve pressures alone against the Hawkeyes offensive line, which everyone thought, um you know, their offense Iowa is not great, but it's still good enough uh, to maybe with not maybe have half that. Uh, but Carl Loftus really influenced that game uh, officially just one sack and three quarterback hurries, but his presence was well known before that. I guess if you're Wisconsin, how are you trying to defend Carl Loftus and even someone like Branson Dean that, uh, you know, an athletic, maybe undersized defensive tackle, uh, that, but he still leads the team in, in sacks with 3.5 and has six and a half tackles for loss too. Uh, how are you trying to defend that line? But in particular, Carl Loftus?
1: Yeah. So George Carl Loftus is a former five-star recruit. Uh, I think Badger fans, if they do follow recruiting, will remember, uh, the Badgers were one of the finalists for Yanni Carl Loftus, George's little brother last year. I uh, eventually went to Purdue. Um, but Carl Loftus is a type of guy. You're right. The stats aren't huge. Uh, but you can. I, that's a, uh, one of those situations. Every single player on the Boilermaker defense is better because George Karloftis is taking all that attention uh, from from the opposition. Um, I, I think there's a kind of go about um, attacking him. I think the easy one right is uh, like chips with a back or a tight end lining up with a tight end there, uh, just giving him extra bodies, extra attention to deal with. Um, another thing. Uh, I put this in a tweet earlier in the week. Um, you know, anytime he ends up one-on-one with any of the Badgers, tackles, even Logan Bruss, right. Who I would probably say is the Badgers best lineman. Uh, that's, you're not putting him in a good situation, right. You're, you're asking for, for trouble. Um, and he's a guy that you probably have to slide the protection to him. Um, you know, for, so for most, uh, the Badgers have been playing a ton and not so much in the last couple of weeks, but earlier in the year, they're playing a ton of 11 personnel, right? Which typically leads to, which is one tight end and one running back, I guess, to clarify. Um, so typically three wide receivers, and a lot of times in 11 personnel, the main pass protection, uh, if you keep the running back in, it's all six man protection and it's, it's like half man and half slide. Right. So you typically the side with the running back, um, will have uh, kind of be uh, one-on-one with those two guys, and usually the center and back will slide. Um, so I think probably look to uh, slide the protection a lot if they're in 11 personnel stuff to Karloftis. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with a back, tight end, different ways to try to deal with that. Um, get it up quick, because I think another one uh, that that obviously it's probably more of a, a cliche uh, or a coach speak, right? But the less time that Grant Mertz has the of the last time that, that Logan Bruss or Tyler Beach uh, have to uh, account for Loftus in the pass rush. And then finally, and this is probably the most on brand for me, um, you know, the best way to account for a good pass rusher is to run the ball, right? Uh, I think that obviously the Badgers want to do that anyways, but if you drop back with Graham Mertz 35 times, that's probably not a winning formula. Obviously, that's not what the Badgers want to do anyways, um, you know, but the more either throwing on early downs to try to uh, keep, just keep them off balance to keep them um, from kind of pinning their ears back and knowing, okay, it's second and nine it's third and eight, right. It's it's a high probability that this is going to be a pass and really kind of get geared up for that. The more you can do, um, stay ahead of the schedule, right. Moving, you know, ahead of the chains, get it to third and four, right. Get it to, second and four second and five to where it can you can remain balanced and two dimensional as an offense Um, you know and it's not so predictable um for a guy like Karloftis who obviously is very talented um, and and you can give him a lot of attention but that you know it's it, the defense just as well um is capable of scheming things up to move him around or to you know loop him on a stunt other things that you can do so where it's not just him on you know, the right tackle every play or, or the left tackle every play. Right. So um, I think probably a multifaceted approach is the best way to do it. Um, Changing the snap count is also another very underrated one. Uh, I think that that's something that you can kind of keep them guessing, whether it's going on set, going on to a silent count, whatever the case may be Um, anything you can do to disrupt him uh, or, or keep him dealing with more, uh, Processing more, right? Uh, you know, sending a back out in protection. Is he the? Is, does he have to to be the flare player? Does he have to deal with that? Um, you know, are they? Are you? Do you try to crack block him on tosses? Um, are you trying to account for him in pass protection and play action with a guard? I, but that's another way. Just something else. Are there different change ups, right? To not just give him a same static look every time and make him play slower by processing. I think those are all ways that the Badgers can um, try to at least negate his um you know the you know obviously as you mentioned the stats aren't eye-popping but he's the best player on the field uh regardless of of typically who they're playing um you know and and it won't be any different George Karloftis is a better football player than anybody on the badgers right now um and so that's going to need to be the main focus for wisconsin this week
0: all right last question for you before let you go on how do you see this game playing out on saturday
1: well, I'd be lying to you if I said I'd seen a ton of um but I do think uh with the way that the badgers are playing right now I think it's it's I don't think it's going to be a ton of smoke and mirrors from the badgers. I think that they're going to line up and I think we've always kind of you and I have always kind of theorized this um with Paul Christ, I think a lot of he's typically obviously very conservative uh but it, it more so if he thinks he can get out of a game with a win with only doing so much, I think he typically takes that. Right. We've, we've wondered that in games in the past against Illinois and like, well, it really seems like they're playing with a pretty limited playbook. Um, if they're able to run the ball on the Boilermakers, I don't think they're going to uh, divert from that too often. Um, you know, I, Purdue has a ton of momentum. They've got a bunch of talented receivers, right? Um, David Bell obviously is the freak, but Milton Wright and Jackson Anthrop are good players as well. Payne Durham mm-hmm. is a nice little tight end. So they've got some pieces, Aiden O'Connell and Jack Plummer. Um, you know, they, they, I think they played three quarterbacks last week, but those are the two that they want to play. You um, know, it would be a, an interesting thing. Aiden O'Connell and uh, played against uh, Jack Sanborn in high school. That'll be an interesting storyline. Um, to see that. uh, O'Connell went to Stevenson High School, uh, where Muma Mehta graduated from. Um, So that'll be kind of an interesting side storyline. But uh, as far as, you know, if the Badgers are able to dictate the game, uh, they've had success against Purdue the last few times they've played them. Um, You know, if they're they're able to run the ball, I think that's what they're going to do. I I think that, um, you know, obviously with some of the passing issues that they've had, it sounds simple, right? But the least you have, the less you have to depend on it, the better um, for them, I do think it would be prudent, though, uh, to try to get Kendrick Pryor involved early. Uh, he and Danny Davis both. I think that Jake Ferguson is, you know, pretty predictably the top passing option uh, for the Badgers. A lot of times, I think just little stuff, getting getting other guys involved, and just making Purdue back off a little bit and say, okay, well, they are willing to throw it, and they're throwing it to different guys. Chim um, Deak could be a nice, uh, you know, maybe a shot play to him, right? But but different things to kind of let them make Purdue back off a little bit and not just be so hell bent on stopping the run, I think uh, would be just enough to get Wisconsin um, to squeak out a win here. Um, You know, I was, I was talking uh, with someone earlier today and mentioned the Iowa game about how the Iowa win over Illinois or Iowa in uh, the Wisconsin win over Iowa in 2018 was the, like the one highlight of that season, right? Which I think Badger fans would remember was a, you know, eight and five, it wasn't, wasn't the season they wanted, um, but they also beat Purdue in a two overtime game that year too. Right. So it's kind yeah, of triple overtime. Yep. 47, 44. Yep. So that'll be, um, you know, I think that's this to me, Purdue's got a lot of momentum, but this to me could be kind of an uglier game like that, or a, um, maybe not ugly on the scoreboard, but ugly as far as not the type of game that the Badgers want to get in. Um, but I do think there's going to be a lot of, We've seen that in particular, the secondary, right? Scott Nelson and and Colin Wilder have been very outspoken about how this is not, not the season, not the start, obviously that they've hoped, but, um, you know, they're going to keep fighting and, and they're not giving up on each other. They're not, um, you know, they're fighting and clawing and, and obviously somehow as of right now, the Badgers still control their own destiny. Uh, if the Badgers win out, they're going to be in the big 10 championship game. So it is what it is. Um, my prediction for this game, I think Wisconsin's able to somehow squeak out a twenty-four to twenty win. Ooh. Uh I think Loftus probably has two sacks. Yep. But it's just enough. I think Braylon Allen um ends up over a hundred again. And I think Malusi ends up somewhere around eighty-five. Right? It's just enough um that they're able to uh to get a big one. I think a big play, some I it I think he's due. I think Chim DK catches a deep ball, maybe off a of play action. Um, you know, and, and gets Purdue to back off just enough for them to continue to, to battering Ram, Malusi and Allen, um, and, and come out, of, uh, come out of this weekend with a, a much needed win, um, and some much needed momentum heading into a, all of a sudden much more winnable Iowa game next weekend.
0: Oh, man, I appreciate you. I know I said like maybe 20 minutes, I think we've gone over that, but I appreciate you, man. Uh, what up before I let you go, what else, uh, you have going on at Bucky Smith quarter and beyond?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I've been pretty inconsistent with it, uh, mostly because of who I am as a person. Uh, but I try to do some film room stuff. Uh, uh, luckily, as you mentioned, um, you know, I, I due to my scouting duties with optimum scouting in the shrine bowl. Uh, I have access, um, to some of the, uh, all 22 coaches tape. Uh, so I, I try to use that for bad stuff, um, to, Find things right, find uh, explanations for things. Why are the Badgers doing things? Are there any patterns we find? Um, so I haven't not been super consistent with it. I apologize for that, but I do that as well. Uh, typically grade the games. Um, will not be able to do so this weekend. Uh, we'll be at a wedding in Austin, Texas. I will be watching the game, however. Um, and so, uh, doing that, I uh, think as we get closer to the end of the year. I think we might start doing some like roster evaluation pieces maybe, um, and kind of get to the bottom of, you know, maybe what's going on. And uh, as far as, you know, the fans expectations, what they should be um, and kind of gauging stuff like that. So looking forward to the end of the year, Uh, some of these, um, you know, some of these uh, adversity filled seasons are usually some of the better ones. And you can kind of find out what your true colors are when your backs are against the wall a little bit. Um, and I think as we we see this on Twitter a lot every week, but um, you know everyone's uh, everyone's always quick to cheer for a winner, right? But it's not always you. Can, it's usually the crowd isn't quite so thick uh, when things aren't going great. So um, Badgers going to keep fighting. I think I've, I've said this multiple times. The Badgers are going to be just fine. Uh, they're not going to go to the college football playoff this year, um, but. the sky is not gonna no matter how um you know no matter how bad things look from the outside or or how badly it seems as though that fans want the sky to be falling sometimes um but uh, <laughs> the badger is fine
0: excellent uh oh man appreciate you my friend uh take care i'm always gonna be watching your stuff man uh proud of you uh for your accomplishments and, and what you've done so far man we'll, we'll talk soon
1: absolutely jake thanks for having me
0: folks it's owen reese We'll take a quick break, come back. I'll give my quick keys to the game and a prediction here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. Thanks everybody for coming back to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski once again. Big thanks to Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter and Optimum Scouting to give his takes about what has transpired with Wisconsin's offensive line and, and what could happen tomorrow that we recorded on Thursday night. I'm recording right now on Friday before the game. We are less than 24 hours from Wisconsin and number 25 Purdue. A couple quick housekeeping notes when it comes to, uh, what we talked about with Owen, uh, Tyler beach, you know, he was at right tackle last year for about, I think it was six of seven games. He started at right tackle. Uh, he did start in 2019 against Purdue at left tackle and Cole van Lannon was out of that game And uh, he worked there, but he also worked during spring ball at left tackle, uh, for that matter. And and Owen brought up the, I believe he mentioned the injury uh, during fall camp. He was out for a good chunk of fall camp with an injury. Uh, And then uh, on top of that, too, I mentioned 12 sacks Purdue, uh, you know, has uh, that Wisconsin has given up. It's actually 11 that the Badgers have given up, not 12. I know it's just one, but I always like making sure I'm accurate there. So uh, there we go there. Um, Real quick, we have three keys to the game. I'm giving you guys a little bit of a preview for what's to come tomorrow in our pre-snap read. Uh, That'll be up tomorrow morning. And what that does is just obviously our three keys to the game and our staff predictions. Um, When it comes to that, my first one for the team I'm going to go with obviously, uh, and this was, we discussed this in our YouTube TV preview earlier on Friday afternoon. Get to quarterback Aiden O'Connell to contain uh, Purdue's passing game. They come in averaging 334 yards per contest. That's one of the best in the FBS. On top of that, O'Connell's had back to back 370 yard plus contests, uh, you know, in, in the last two games, I believe it was against Illinois. And then, of course, last week against Purdue. It's going to be big for wisconsin to contain that david bell is the big name obviously 38 receptions 679 yards four touchdowns a big name a big name to watch and wisconsin either fan hicks caesar williams or some combination of defensive backs will have to contain him Uh, but also four other purdue players or three other purdue players four including bell have 20 or more receptions on the year to get to o'connell uh will help alleviate that right uh, can Nick Herbig, who leads the team in sacks with three and a half, can he, but he's had more pressures on, on there. Can he make an impact? Can you take a look at Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, the defensive line, Matt Henningsen, Keanu Benton. If they can do that, that'll be big for Wisconsin uh, to disrupt passing lanes, disrupt timing, disrupt everything. Um so I think that's going to be big for Wisconsin there. Um, my second key really derailing Purdue's pass rush. That is, it's going to be tough with Carl office. We talked about him ad nauseum already, not just today, but in an article I had on badger blitz.com earlier this week. And, and with Tom Dean Hart, when we talked to him, uh, as well in our Q and a, but I would say, you know, obviously they need to derail it enough when needing to pass. Um, And they will need to pass. You know, one of our keys, I I mentioned this in our YouTube show earlier on Friday is to Wisconsin needs to run the ball. And John McNamara said they need to get tight end Jake Ferguson going uh, with the passing game. So obviously you want balance with every offense, uh, but you know, they will need to pass. I think to keep Purdue honest, Uh, honest, this defense is much improved from previous Purdue units. So, um, but It will be, they need to chip on Carl Loftus. You know, we talked already with Owen about some keys there. So I won't uh, redigest everything for everybody here. So again, but they're going to need to contain that pass rush. Again, 94 pressures according to Pro Football Focus for that unit through six games. Uh, Last one is going to be, again, limit turnovers offensively and generate takeaways defensively real simple, real easy. It's just this game could come down to a key turnover. We saw one happen last week with Leo Chanel's strip sack against Army, and that led to a game-deciding touchdown. That could very well be the case again on Saturday afternoon in West Lafayette. Also, Wisconsin has 15. They've generated 15. uh, They've coughed up the ball 15 times, and that's going to be rough when it comes to defend, you know, if they if that happens on the road against a potent offense like Purdue, that can lead to trouble and an early deficit. So, again, limit the turnovers there, uh, hold on to the ball, no fumbles. Uh, if the pass rush does get there, um, obviously trying to throw it away or whatnot will be key and not trying to force balls uh, that could lead to interceptions uh, and then for Wisconsin defensively, you know, they only have four takeaways so far through its first six games. If they can generate more pressure if the pressure, uh, they got close against Illinois. They've had opportunities. Now it's time to as what John McNamara said on our YouTube show, it's time to capitalize on them and we'll see if they can do that on Saturday. So, on that note folks, thank you all for listening. Big thanks again to Owen Reese from again, Bucky Swift Quarter and Optimum Scouting for joining us. Tune in Next week, we'll talk Iowa big rivalry weekend. Could be a lot on the line too uh, when it comes to the Big Ten West between the two programs, uh, depending upon what happens this weekend with Purdue and Wisconsin. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at underscore Badger or Badger underscore Blitz. Uh, for me, it's at Jake Coco. For Owen, oh, it's at Reese Draft, R I E S E draft. And then we have a new YouTube show, uh, you know, new two series uh, we, I call Badger Blitz TV. Make sure you follow us to search Badger Blitz on YouTube. We're there for Facebook. Search Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. Tune in next week, folks. we got a lot more coming up. Thank you all for listening. Be well this weekend. Be healthy. Be safe. We'll catch you soon on another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.